From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Thursday edition, we're broadcasting live from Nashville, Tennessee, which is the site of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. In fact, we're actually broadcasting from Bot Radio Network Studios here in Nashville, home of WECV. Our thanks to the Bot team for hosting us here today. Earlier today, I moderated a panel at NRB on the deplatforming of conservatives that big tech at the behest of the left is doing. One of my panelists, Dennis Prager, will join me a little later here on Washington Watch. But our top item today is the continuing conflict in Ukraine and how some in Congress are using the crisis to advance their progressive anti-family agenda. So here we are with very serious legislation on the floor today. And the legislative process, sausage making that it is, it's working its way. Well, that is an understatement. Last night, the House passed a sweeping $1.5 trillion omnibus spending package. And bipartisan support to advance the measures to the Senate that, among other things, promotes harmful gender identity ideology and funnels more money to Planned Parenthood. We'll talk about it with Texas Congressman Michael Burgess in just a moment. And in the midst of historic gas prices, the prospects of World War III, what is the Biden administration focused on? A bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need, is discriminatory. It's uh, a form of bullying. Um, It is horrific. That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki yesterday commenting on the administration's opposition to a parental rights bill in the state of Florida that protects children in kindergarten through the third grade from being indoctrinated with the left's gender ideology. We'll talk about it with Dr. Ben Carson, former secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And speaking of education, more and more parents are taking the next steps after raising concerns over classroom indoctrination to actually running for political office. And guess what? I couldn't be happier. FRC's Meg Kilgannon is here with the details. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, you can find it all later, archived at TonyPerkins.com. Our Bible verse for today, coming from our two-year Bible reading plan, Stand on the Word, is Leviticus chapter 25, verse 18. Therefore, you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them, and then you will dwell in the land securely. You know, given America's present record-setting rate of violence, murder, division, and mayhem, maybe it's time to try another way, maybe God's way. To join us for the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. Russian forces have been making slow advances in Ukraine and have resorted to more brutal attacks, including a strike that destroyed a maternity hospital in one of the besieged towns. Earlier today, war correspondent Chuck Holden gave us an update on the situation from the ground in Kyiv. Well, it may be the calm before the storm, Tony, but here in downtown Kyiv, it's been very quiet for the last couple of days. As a matter of fact, we haven't heard a lot of in the action in the way of air raid sirens or explosions, uh, just a few. And those are off in the far distance, where the majority of the fighting has been, at least around this city, has been in the northeast and in the northwest. Yesterday in the northeast, Russian forces pushed into Kyiv city limits for the first time. Uh, And over there in a place called Brovery, they actually really got wiped out. They had an entire tank regiment just wrecked by Ukrainian resistance fighters. And the Russians lost maybe up to 25 or 30 tanks in that engagement. So very, very difficult day for the Russians out there. On the northwest side in Irpin and Bucha, the Ukrainians were able to evacuate about 60,000 people over the last two days because the, they had made an agreement with the Russians to, for them to stop shooting uh, between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. But yesterday, about 3 p.m., the Russians started up again and killed two people and wounded several more 
who were all in the process of trying to escape. Now, the Russians have not made much progress in the last week in encircling Kyiv or in taking more territory, and so they've resorted to more brutal attacks, just bombing mostly with uh, large unguided munitions, so we're talking to up to 2,000-pound bombs like the one that they dropped on the hospital in Mariupol, the children's hospital, uh, just yesterday. Three, children, three people were killed, including one child, and 17 people were injured, they say, uh, in that bombing attack, but it absolutely destroyed that uh, maternity hospital and made a crater the size of a house. Uh, and again, those unguided munitions say something about the disposition of the Russian military. They are resorting to these dumb bombs, uh, partially because uh, of the delivery systems that they have to use to get them in here. They're not close enough to use artillery to Kiev or to many cities, uh, and they really have not taken any major metropolitan areas in this entire country, with the possible exception of the city of Kherson down in the south, although the Ukrainians say that city is still in play. But what it comes down to is that the Russians are stepping up the violence of their attacks while they're actually losing most engagements. And I think that shows uh, a real tenacity on the part of the Ukrainian people. So back to you, Tony. Well, joining me now to talk about the unfolding situation in Ukraine and how some in Congress are exploiting the crisis to advance their own anti-family agenda is Congressman Michael Burgess, who is a member of the House Rules Committee, the Budget Committee, and the Committee on Energy and Commerce. He represents the 26th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on, Tony. And, and actually, I should mention, for 30 years, I practiced at an OB hospital. That was my medical specialty. It's one of the happiest places on earth, and it's just the definition of terrorism to bomb a facility like that. You're, you're absolutely right, and I should have mentioned that because uh, one of the topics we've talked about quite a bit is uh, on the medical issues that are making their way through Congress. But you're on the Rules Committee, and uh, I played a clip earlier of Nancy Pelosi talking about the sausage making. And this was a, a you know, 2,700-plus page bill that was dropped on Congress with just a few hours to try to digest and read through what was in this bill. And, of course, now we know there's a lot of bad stuff in this bill. So that's right. Uh, we were kept up late uh, two nights ago in the Rules Committee with the promise that the bill is going to come forward for our inspection. Uh, and, and basically it did with uh, 15 minutes notice at about 2 o'clock Eastern time two days ago. Uh, the Rules Committee passed out a rule that would allow the bill to be brought to the floor. Now, unfortunately for Nancy Pelosi, her side wasn't all on board with what they were doing. Uh, the, only, the only positive thing that I had seen in the entire process was some of the new coronavirus spending was going to be offset with unspent dollars that were in some of the previous coronavirus spending. So, okay, maybe that uh, uh, celebrate a small victory. But then the uh, House Democrats apparently couldn't stomach that. And uh, they required that that provision be stripped from the bill. Uh, House was delayed about another 24 hours while uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi, the very definition of a lame duck speaker, had to, to corral her, her more raucous members to get them uh, to come on board. Now, Congressman, the bill was divided into two. It's kind of bifurcated. One dealt with the um, defense funding, which most of the Republicans supported. Some of the moderates or progressives did not. But then there was the domestic portion of it, which included a reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act, which changed definitions, it includes this, uh, the uh, sexual identity and gender uh, issues. Uh, as well as uh, some other foreign funding that would um, advance this whole gender ideology. Was the, the, the motive behind dividing it, uh, trying to minimize the opposition to the bill so that they could pass out of the House? Perhaps, but, but bear in mind, this should have been 12 separate bills that were marked up in the Appropriations Committee and then heard individually on the floor where individual members would have a chance to, to offer their amendments as it came through the process. None of that happened. And here we are almost six months past the deadline, six months into the new fiscal year, and here's this spending bill. 
The best they can do is bring it up in, in two parts, one defense, one non-defense. Uh, some wins for uh, uh, certainly for people who uh, are, are, are pro-life in their orientation, the Hyde Amendment protections were kept in the base language. And I'm very, I, 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 have to, I have to give a lot of credit to the Republicans on the Appropriations Committee for keeping the Hyde Amendment language intact through what was a pretty serious onslaught. But as you point out, the, the negatives far outweighed any positives. And the number, anytime, here's my, my limited experience, anytime you vote for a bill this size, whether it be the defense side or the, the social spending side, there are going to be things in there, there's no way in the world that you would ever support. So the whole process was wrong, the bill was too big, it came to us too late. Uh, we should do better. And, you yeah. know, Republicans talk about being in charge next time. This is one of those areas where really we need to bring it back to its original original form, original intent, do better, let regular order proceed, and let members be heard. We are the representatives of the people that send us there. And if you shut out our voices, basically you're shutting out the people's voice. Right. And it need to go back to, as you said, the appropriations process that was as it was designed to be. I mean, my observation, uh, Congressman, is that the Democrats saw this as an opportunity when it came to this emergency funding for Ukraine to push all of this through at one time, knowing they didn't have the support for it to stand on its own. That's correct. They saw the horse and saddled, uh, harnessed it up and and let's see what we can pull through in the process. Uh, let me switch gears uh, slightly to uh, another issue that's on at the forefront of Americans' mind. They're going to the gas pump, uh, gas prices going through the roof, historically high gas prices. The uh, the, the energy and how uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee held a hearing. Uh, on electric vehicles uh, amid this energy crisis, which the Biden administration is obviously blaming on on Putin. What can you tell us about this? I mean, people want help right now. They don't want to be lectured about getting an electric car. Yeah, and I, I apparently incurred the wrath of the Secretary of Department of Transportation for uh, accusing him of a Marie Antoinette moment when he said, well, if gas prices are too high, just buy an electric car. Sure, sure, Pete, that's, uh, that's going to be the answer to people's problems. But look, uh, this is exactly why uh, I, I think the Democrats are going to be in so much trouble politically next year, because they have, they have put themselves on the path of this almost religious agenda at, at the altar of climate change at the expense of everything else, and that everything else happens to be ordinary, everyday Americans who are just trying to work for a living and uh, feed their families and, and keep themselves safe. They, those are the ones that have suffered in this exchange, and there's no amount of offshore wind to power electric vehicles in the future that is going to happen in the time frame that, uh, that the Democrats think that they can use. It's just not, it's not realistic that it's going to happen no. in such short order. Uh, it's going to cause massive disruption and, and massive discomfort for American families. And we should be on their side. Right. And they need help now. Uh, yes. They need help now. And these are policies, as you pointed out, these are things that could have been avoided had they made the right policy decisions 10, 12 months ago when they came into office. Congressman Burgess, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we'll be joined by Dennis Prager. Earlier today, I moderated a panel here at NRB, and he was one of the panelists. We talk with him next. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, 
visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I mentioned, we are broadcasting uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. In fact, in the studios of Bot Radio Network at uh, WECV. And grateful for the Bot team for hosting us here. We uh, are in town for the religious National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention that's taking place here. And today, earlier this morning, I was... Uh, able to moderate a panel on the issue of deplatforming, how Silicon Valley, the left, is encouraging, you know, the big tech giants, uh, really even legacy, the legacy media, to censor conservatives, you know, removing those voices from the public conversation. One of my guests, uh, one of my panelists, uh, was uh, Dennis Prager, who was a talk show host. Many of you have listened to him, and he has great insight, insight on this. He is uh, also founder of Prager U, which I'm sure you've seen the videos. Over a billion people, uh, at least they've been viewed over a billion times. Um, he, he, he's educating people, and the left is afraid of that. And so many of his videos have actually been restricted uh, because what they say, questionable content. Well, joining us now by phone is uh, Dennis Prager. Dennis, thanks for joining us here on Washington Watch. Well, so I'm with you a second time today. The privilege. That's right. Twice in one day. How about that? Yeah, that's right. Making up for lost time. That's right. Well, it's always great to talk with you. It's it's a stimulating conversation. Iron sharpens iron, and. Um, I want to jump right into this because you made some comments today on the panel. The motivation behind this deplatforming, why is it happening? That I, I have a good answer to. I don't have good answers to everything because a lot of stuff is very fuzzy, but that's not. There is no example since Vladimir Lenin in 1917, there is not a single example of the left gaining power anywhere and not suppressing dissent. I, I want to repeat that because it sounds almost incredible, but there is not a single example, whether it was Russia in 1917 or any other communist country, or uh, for that matter, our universities in the United States today. There is no example of the left gaining power anywhere, and now the tech, obviously the tech companies, gaining power and not suppressing dissent. Dissent uh, is, deprives the left of oxygen. Their oxygen is, is breathed 
is created by the suppression of all dissent. And people need to understand that. That's why liberals should not vote for the left, because liberals do believe in dissent, but liberals don't vote their values. They vote, uh, they vote left. Yeah, and that was the point that was made th this morning is that, you know, there's a big difference between liberals and leftists. You know, liberals, you can have a debate with them. You can have a discussion with them. The leftists, as you said, uh, want to shut down all discussion and all debate. Let's talk about these PragerU videos and what YouTube did to these videos and why. Explain that to our listeners. Yeah, well, we were sort of the canary in the mine. They, uh, they sort of started with us, and that it became somewhat of a national issue. The Wall Street Journal had three or four editorials on PragerU being stymied by, uh, by Google, which owns YouTube, and by Twitter, and by, uh, and by Facebook, or shadow banned, or whatever else they do, demonetize, all of that stuff. So uh, we, we're very effective. Uh, as you pointed out, we have this enormous number of views, over a billion a year, and mostly young people, which drives them crazy. We know that ironically from Google, who does these analyses, and 60% of our viewers are under 35. So we, we really bug the left, uh, but uh, they and they try, obviously, therefore, to suppress us, and, and certainly not us. I mean, what about doctors? This was frankly, as bad as it is, it was even worse with doctors. Doctors would get up and say they've saved patients' lives with ivermectin and or hydroxychloroquine and zinc, and they were uh, deplatformed. I mean, people who saved lives, doctors who saved lives, were shut down by Twitter. Uh, it is not in any way an exaggeration to say Twitter and the other tech giants and the American Medical Association killed any number of Americans, probably in the hundreds of thousands, by denying them any knowledge of therapeutics. This is the greatest sin in American medical history, and it is another example of everything the left touches it ruins, and medicine is the latest example. Uh, before we run out of time, uh, we had a, a lengthy conversation, in fact, spent over half our time this morning talking about how do we adapt in this environment? And it's a very solid, uh, practical recommendations. And you made some of those. You, this is not a time to be silent. Uh, you know, what should people be doing in this moment? Yeah, look, it's really clear. If every conservative got stepped out of the closet, uh, put up uh, good articles on their Facebook page or, uh, or tweeted something profound that they, that they heard, and not abrasive, not uh, not anything about Brandon, nothing like that, uh, not even sarcastic, just, you know, I, I read this article, I like to share it with people, and if it's wrong, please let me know why. If, if, if the ha half of this country is, is not leftist, and the great majority of them are silent, and I understand that. They don't want to lose friends, they don't want to lose relatives, they don't want to lose their job. I understand that. But... We, we cannot allow that blackmail to, to prevail. People have yeah. to get out of the closet. I mean, you, you have a choice. You can lose friends. You know, you can lose maybe maybe a job or you can lose the country because that's what we're looking at. If, if we stay silent, the left will have its way simply by us going and self-censoring and silencing ourselves. And let me add one thing. I know that limited time, but I, this is important to add. Even on a, a self-centered, and I don't say that negatively, even where you, the individual, are the central issue, you may lose some friends, but you will gain new friends who share your values. Yeah. And don't you, that, I don't understand friends who don't share my values, to be perfectly honest. They could be acquaintances, they could be pals, but my friends share my values. That's part of friendship. And you can right. only find them if you get out of a closet. And, and this is what the left knows. Courage breeds courage, and that's why they don't want people to stand up. And when someone does, they hammer them. Well, Dennis Prager, I want to thank you for standing up and, uh, and not shrinking back and not being silent. Always great to talk with you. Well, it's mutual. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Dennis Prager. 
great American. All right, don't go away. When we come back, some others that are standing up, parents all across America. Meg Kilgannon joins us with the details. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. I'm Tony Perkins, and you are listening to Washington Watch. We are broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee today, here attending the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And let me just say this, uh, my, my gratitude to all the religious broadcasters, in particular the Christian stations that uh, dot the landscape of America. Really, uh, I was sharing with some of them earlier today that Christian radio is kind of the last bastion of truth, uh, that they are able to speak, and we don't have to worry. I can... I can speak the truth right here uh, on these various networks. We're on over 800 terrestrial stations, other platforms, but they're not going to cancel me when I preach the word, when I, when I speak truth, when we talk about human sexuality, we talk about the sanctity of human life, we speak about the fact that man is a sinner and needs a Savior, that Savior is Jesus Christ. We can say that here, and we're not going to be canceled. So I'm grateful for it. We're going to continue to use the other platforms, but uh, we need to especially listener-supported Christian radio. Let me encourage you to support Christian radio, those uh, that are for-profit, that have advertisers, support the advertisers. But we need Christian radio in America. All right, some good news, uh, and there's a lot of good news. All right, the Washington Washington Examiner wrote a recent uh, piece about a Virginia parent who confronted uh, Loudoun County's now notorious school board back in January of 2021 and told them very strongly to get their act together or to get out because there are people like me and a lot of others out there who would gladly take your seat and figure it out. That was a quote. Well, the frustrated father of four is now taking things into his own hands and is running for Congress. The father is Brandon Michon. He is one of many, many examples of parents fed up with their local school boards and they're using that frustration, not simply to curse the darkness, but to shine light in a place that, quite frankly, needs a little light. Join me now to talk more about this and what's happening really all across the country and how you can be a part of it is FRC Senior Fellow for Education Studies, Meg Kilcannon. Meg, welcome back Thanks, to the program. Tony. Thanks, it's great to be here. Well, you know what? Uh, you're always bringing good news. We're talking about good news stories a lot of times because we're talking about the bad things that are happening in public education, the indoctrination that's taking place. But the good news is parents are pushing back and uh, they're not they're no longer standing on the sidelines. Yes, we are not content with saying things at the school board meeting. 
um, parents are stepping up and engaging in so many different ways. And these these gentlemen that we have examples of who are running for office, you know, we talk a lot about the mama bear and the moms on the move, Moms for Liberty. And I'm a mom and I love moms. And I know how, as a mom, I know how much kids need their father. And it's so great to see their fathers, fathers standing up as well. The original iteration of this was with Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson in North Carolina. And he spoke at a super board of supervisors meeting. And then that propelled him to higher office eventually. And so to see these fathers speaking out at school board meetings and then making the decision to run for office, it's just really wonderful to see. Brandon Menchon is a great example. And so is this, uh, another another candidate in North Carolina. Um, they they really add a lot to the debate. Yeah, and this coming from the Washington Examiner, and I want to plug them because they're reporting on this while the AP and others are dismissive of parents who are standing up. There are other conservative publications that are telling these stories. And so we see this around the country. We've, uh, you've been a part of hosting these school board boot camps, uh, candidate training for school board and other races, but primarily for the school boards. And, and hundreds of people have participated in those. And, and in fact, before we run out of time, I just want you to put in a plug for that because that information is still available online for those that still may be considering running. Absolutely. You can find our school board boot camp at www.frcaction.org slash schools. And I'm sure you have it at TonyPerkins.com. Um, but there is a school board boot camp there. We have information about how to file a FOIA. We have an election report where we talk to parents who ran for school board and, and uh, three who won and one who didn't. And we really get into the nuts and bolts of actually how to run a campaign and how to run, what to expect. Those are, are great resources I think people will find helpful. And I think when parents show up to the, whether it's a school board meeting or city council meeting and they speak, they realize that the folks sitting on the other side of the dais are just normal people just like them. And they have uh, the ability to do what they're doing. And if they won't do it right, they can replace them. And I can tell you as one who is been involved, been a candidate, been a part of many campaigns. Running for local office is not difficult. You do your homework, and that's a part of the training we have. You do your homework, you put things together, and success is within your reach. Passion is really what carries the day. When you have a calling and a passion and you're willing to take a stand and not worry about what the media or others think, you can accomplish a whole lot. You sure can. And it is not as heavy a lift in some cases as running for a higher level office, because so often these local races are at odd times of the year. They have school board races happening in May and in August and other times that you don't think of. And that means the turnout is low. And so your your involvement with churches and community uh, organizations can really make the difference to win. That's absolutely right. Uh, very good point. Meg Kilgannon, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, coming up next, Dr. Ben Carson joins us, former secretary of uh, HUD. He joins me next with his take on Florida's stand against the woke mob. Even the Biden administration is pounding on Florida for simply giving parents the right to protect their children. Well, Dr. Carson is here with his take on that next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you.
Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side -side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown DC, giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, once again, we're broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, where we are attending the National Religious Broadcasters. We are uh, at the Bot Studios here in Nashville. Our gratitude uh, to the Bot team for hosting us today. On Tuesday, Florida lawmakers gave final approval to the parental rights bill in, uh, it's actually entitled the Parental Rights in Education Bill, that critics have nicknamed the Don't Say Gay Bill, though it is really about keeping parents in the loop and making sure teachers, especially in elementary school, are having age-appropriate discussions about human sexuality. Well, shortly after Florida Senate passed HB 1557, the U.S. Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, issued a statement calling the legislation, quote, a hateful bill that will hurt students. White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki yesterday also made allegations against the bill, calling it horrific, among other words. A bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need, is discriminatory, it's uh, a form of bullying, um, it is horrific. Well, joining me now to talk about this and uh, much more is someone who has spent much of his life helping kids, including his many years in pediatric neurosurgery, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It's always good to be with you. Now, I, I just, I, I know you've, I don't really even know where to start with this. I mean, we have a, we have a country where inflation is uh, is going through the roof, gas prices are at historic levels. Uh, Eastern Europe is moving toward World War III, and what is this administration focused on? Attacking a parental rights bill in Florida. I mean, what's your take on all of this? Well, it's truly amazing. You know, I've had a chance to actually look at some of the the books that they're using for some of the, the very young children. Um, about worms that can be male or female, and they decide later on which one they're going to be, sort of softening them up uh, for that same argument for people. And then uh, some of the books that were that I saw in Lee County, Florida, had frank pornography on them. 
Now, you know, we're in a situation where we have so many children who can't even read at grade level, uh, much less uh, deal with mathematics, uh, much less understand our history. And there's so many other things. Why are we delving into things that are inappropriate? And at least let's make sure that the parents have a say in this. You know, the schools are there to give the children the basic tools that they need to be able to navigate society. You know, the home is the place where kids get their morals and values uh, because, you know, that changes from year to year in a school, depending on who happens to be teaching. So that really should not be their responsibility. And their responsibility that doesn't change from year to year is basic math, basic science, English, reading, things of that nature. Well, in essence, what is happening in many schools, not all, not all, but what is happening in many schools is that you actually have those schools undermining the values of the parents which is why we see legislation like this. And they're really robbing them of the essential skills and tools they need to succeed. And in the end, we're all losers. The, the, the children lose out. And as a country, we lose out. Well, that's absolutely right. And for some reason, uh, segments of the government, including the educational sector, have forgotten that the government works for the people. The people don't work for the government. They've lost that completely. And uh, we need to get back to that in a hurry because our values are such an important part of who we are as a nation. And uh, when we throw them away or we have them shifting with the wind, uh, what do you think is going to happen to the young people? Uh, and mm -hmm. therefore, leave those discussions where they should be. And it was interesting when Alexis de Tocqueville came to America to study our nation because the Europeans were so fascinated that a, a fledgling nation barely 50 years old was already competing with them in every aspect. One of the things he observed was the incredible emphasis on education, that he could find a mountain man or a trapper way out in the wilderness and a person knew how to read uh, and was conversant about the way the government worked. Uh, that's fascinating. But he also noted the tremendous sermons coming from the pulpits of our churches and the fact that those fiery sermons gave a basis for the moral foundation of this country, which really made it into an exceptional place. Well, Dr. Carson, um, you know, we, we are always very good at diagnosing the problem, at least most of us. But we like to go farther than just diagnosing the problem. We like to point to solutions. And I know that that is your heart as well, because at this point, uh, all the service you have provided, you could easily retire and enjoy yourself, but you are not. You're very much involved in addressing the very issues we are talking about. We don't have to wait for somebody else to do something. We can take the responsibility God has given us beginning in our own homes. Explain well, we, how, uh, what you're doing right now to help parents do that. We, we must do that. And, and with our American Cornerstone Institute, uh, we have the Little Patriots Program, uh, which provides books, uh, which help our children understand the, the foundational principles of our nation, faith, uh, community, liberty, and life. But also teaching them about the real history of our country at littlepatriotslearning.com, absolutely 100% free. Uh, you can find out about the history of this country, warts and all, but in a way that puts things into appropriate perspective and a lot of learning tools uh, because we want to make sure that our children are capable of reading at the grade level by the time they reach third grade. That's the dichotomy. Uh, up until grade three, children learn to read. From grade three on, children read to learn. And that makes a tremendous difference in terms of what happens in their future, particularly graduation from high school and success later on in life. And again, that's, that begins in the home. And so parents, grandparents, look, we can, we can curse the darkness, 
or we can shine a little light on the problem. And, and I always encourage, you know, hitting the light switch. Let's bring some light to this and take that responsibility. Dr. Carson, I want to switch gears just a little bit um, to another topic related, uh, but the $1.5 trillion bill, uh, I think it was, that was passed yesterday um, with hardly any time to read it, it included a reauthorization of the Violence Against Women's Act, but it modified it. Now, this is uh, something we've talked about in the program a lot, but I know it's something you've actually, as the secretary of HUD, uh, you actually spoke out about this. You were grilled in, uh, as you prepared before Congress on this, because what now is being authorized under this uh, recrafted policy is that men who say that they're women uh, can stay in these uh, shelters for battered women, which actually, I mean, how, did, how is that supposed to work out? Well, it, it really doesn't work out, uh, as I try to explain to some people who are radical and intolerant of uh, views that differ from theirs. But the fact of the matter is, we are a nation composed of many people with different beliefs, and the my way or the highway doctrine doesn't work very well in a situation like that. Uh, we should be looking for solutions that work for everybody and recognize that uh, the women in those shelters, I had so many letters uh, and even visits uh, from women from around the country uh, who were just adamantly against allowing uh, biological men to come into their shelter. In many cases, people go to women's shelters because they've been battered by men. The last thing they want to see is a man coming in there, even if he claims to be a woman. And uh, what some of the successful shelters that I've seen actually had a section for transgenders. Now, that kind of makes sense. Uh, let's not compromise the rights of one group uh, so that you can uh, elevate the rights of another. And that but is that's not, but, but it's, it's just starting to cut you off there, Dr. Carson, but that's not acceptable to the left. They don't no. want those accommodations, they want to force others to be uncomfortable as they push their agenda. And that's that's the intolerance of the left. They want to force things upon people. And think about the logical conclusion of that. Mandates for everything. If you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to punish you. Uh, we're going to make it impossible for you to buy and sell. And on and on it goes. And we need to be very careful about those things. Uh, we're, we're, they're threatening the liberty of our nation. Why not just be considerate of other people? Why not just sit down together and hammer out solutions that work for everybody? Why adopt the my way or the highway philosophy and I'm going to punish you if you don't do it my way? That is so un-American. And we, the people, must recognize it and we must fight against it. Because if you don't, if you say it doesn't affect me, maybe not today, but it will tomorrow. Yeah, earlier I had uh, Dennis Prager on the program. We were talking about this very thing because we were, uh, today I moderated a panel which Dennis was on here at the National Religious Broadcasters. And, you know, historically the left, you know, going back to Lenin, uh, they do not tolerate dissent. And, and, and you're absolutely right. It is un-American. It is, it is incompatible with um, our constitutional republic where we reach consensus by having discussion, debate, and dialogue. The left, unlike liberals, does not want to have any of that discussion. And so right. we, have to, we have to forcefully engage. Now, we, we do so in a, in a loving, Christ-like manner, but we cannot stand to at the side and be a spectator and expect this thing to work out. Absolutely. Recognize that our founders understood governments. They studied all the governments that had ever existed in depth, uh, very, very good studies. And they concluded that governments, no matter which party is in power, have a tendency to grow, to infiltrate, and to dominate. And that's why... They worked so hard to give us a constitution that would be a tool in the hands of the people to control the government 
and maintain the freedom of our people and make people centric rather than government centric. Dr. Carson, I know you're in touch with a lot of folks. You're still traveling the country. You're working on many different projects to help people engage appropriately in this constitutional republic. Let me ask you this uh, as a way to kind of as we wrap up to leave our folks on an encouraging note is what do you see happening across America with this backdrop of a lot of bad things? We we're just we're concerned about what's happening in Ukraine. We we look at what's happening to our economy. We look at all the bad policy steps of this administration that's reversed the gains of the previous administration. But what gives you hope? What do you see out there that encourages you right now? Well, if you read the scriptures, you know that we devolve. Uh, things get worse. All these things uh, that are going on today are predicted in the Bible. But here's the wonderful thing. We have a Savior who understands the imperfections of man and has made provisions for us. And whatever is going on in your life, it may be something particularly horrible. Just remember, against the backdrop of eternity, it's only a flash in the pan. And uh, we know how things ultimately end, and we know who is ultimately in charge. And therefore, our job is to simply manifest those Christ-like characteristics of loving your neighbor, being kind and fair to everyone, and showing that Christ-like love in our lives. And when we're anchored in the Word, we can have the confidence to do that, even in the most turbulent of times. Dr. Carson, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for being a patriot. All right. Thank you, sir. Dr. Ben Carson, another great American. Of course, you know what? We just have great Americans on this program. You know, to his point, this is why we have our two-year Bible reading plan, Stand on the Word, is because, you know, people ask me all the time, Tony, how do you how do you deal with all that stuff and, and keep a positive attitude? Well, I mean, I have my moments, I'll be honest. But the fact is, as Dr. Carson said, if we're in the Word, we know that we were warned. We were warned that this was going to happen. We know the trajectory, the trajectory of man, it's downward, it's not upward. Evolution, we're not evolving to a higher state, we're devolving. But the good news is, as we have confidence in these challenging and difficult times, others will look to us and say, hey, what's the source of your peace? You know what we can say? It's Jesus. It's not necessarily my bank account, it's being eaten up with inflation just like yours. But I have confidence of my eternal destination and I can have abundant life. Jesus said he's going to give us life abundantly. And that's yours if you just trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we can have an impact being salt and light in this world. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Check out the website and uh, follow up with some of our guests. Thank them for being on Washington Watch. Until next time. I leave you once again with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 